Support for the Catching Up With Heroes podcast comes from our good friends, Sam and Ash, the injury attorneys here in Las Vegas, 702-820-1234. Also visit them at samandashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. And from our friends at Dr. Jen's Ultimate Protein Bars, you can check them out at drjensnutrition.com. We all have heroes. Who are some of your heroes and how did they impact your life? Welcome to Catching Up With Heroes, the podcast where we discuss the influence of our individual heroes on our careers and lives, an exploration of how we look up to and learn from others during the journey of life. And now here's your host, Scott Goldbranson. Welcome back, everyone. Yes, it's been almost a year since we started the Catching Up With Heroes podcast, and we're finally back. This time with a full season of what should be 12 episodes, followed by others in the future. And I'm happy to have the time to talk to you about the people I look up to, those who've had a positive impact on my life and in our community. And I appreciate you being with us. My name is Scott Branson. Thanks again for checking in on Catching Up With Heroes. But why a year in between my episodes with this podcast? Well, as many of you know, I also own and operate the sports news website Silver and Black Today, which covers the Las Vegas Raiders. That included a daily radio show that kicked off on the Raiders flagship radio station here in Las Vegas, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. And doing a daily radio show, running a professional sports news website, and oh, yeah, also having a regular day job in the world of PR and marketing, time was not available for me to keep it going through the pandemic. Yet, I have now put aside the daily radio show. I'm focusing on my health and my mental health and going back to my passion project here on Catching Up With Heroes. So thanks for being with us. To dive back into the podcast, I could think of no better guest than today's, my friend Reggie Burton. Burton and I will talk about a subject too often ignored, not talked about enough by all of us, and under-resourced for so many men, women, and young people. And that, of course, is the subject subject of mental health in our country. As I backed away from my own daily radio show, including some physical challenges I've been facing along with my own health and then mental health, that was also a factor. As a busy professional with a wife and five kids, a side business and lots of stress, something had to give. I had to make a choice to ensure I'd be around for, let's say, catching up with Heroes Season 20. <laughs> and so I put my family, my physical and my mental health first and I walked away from a show I love doing. I miss it already, but it was the right choice. Reggie Burton knows far too well about the impact of mental health and the stigma attached to it can have on a person and a family. You see, Reggie lost his son to a mental health issue that ended in his beautiful son, Avery, taking his own life at just 22 years old. A young man who seemingly had everything going for him and he did, became the impetus of what is now a mission to help others by his father and family and the foundation started in Avery's name. And while you'll hear why Reggie doesn't consider himself a hero, as he believes he's just doing the right thing to help others, born out of the pain and anguish over the loss of his own son, I consider him just that. Because you see, heroes aren't bigger than life muscle men or superwomen. No, they're everyday people like you and me 
doing extraordinary things to help their neighbors, friends, and strangers live a good life, sometimes in the smallest ways, one person at a time. Today on Catching Up With Heroes, we talk with Reggie Burton about mental health and how he and all of us can help tackle this important problem in our society. Reggie Burton's career includes many diverse titles, including professional journalist, NFL public relations alumni, casino industry communications executive, business owner, entrepreneur, nonprofit board member, and now his newest title, author. His book titled This Is Depression is a personal story after losing his son to depression and suicide. Uh, Reggie was determined to use his grief as a powerful tool for change and removing the stigma associated with mental health. Burton wrote the book to honor his son, Avery Burton, who suffered a major depressive episode in 2017. And in the process, Reggie discovered his passion for storytelling, rediscovered, I should say. In the process of healing, Reggie rediscovered his passion for storytelling and helping others finding their voice and founded, of course, the Avery Burton Foundation. Joining me now, now is my friend Reggie Burton. Reggie, how you doing on this afternoon? I am doing well, Scott. Good to be with you. It is. And, you know, uh, through this whole pandemic, you know, we've all dealt with our challenges, whether they're personal and, of course, mental health related, which we'll get into in just a moment. Uh, but we also haven't been able to see friends. And even though we're both in Las Vegas, haven't been able to see you. And I was recalling and, and we're keeping track via social media. And, of course, my daughter, your son, your, your second oldest son uh, went to Arizona State together. And so we that's how we kind of met was back at that, that, that pre-freshman meeting that they had here in Las Vegas uh, of the alumni group to, to get kids ready to go away. Uh, but it's, it's, it, that's the one thing. I, I, I'm very leery, and I know there's mental health issues involved with it too, uh, around social media these days. You and I use it professionally uh, for what we do. Uh, but I'll tell you, it's been, it's been a godsend now just to keep in touch with people, hasn't it? Yeah, no, I think um, you know, that has become the tool to keep track of where everyone is, how they're doing. Um, and in some instances, as it relates to mental health, how they're feeling, Yeah, you know? So um, it, it's, it's a different world, you know? And I think we all adjust and, and, and you're right. I mean, we did, you know, have our connection, you know, going back to watching our kids head off to, you know, to college and uh, throughout that whole process. And, um, it's just, uh, you know, it's a brave new world, and and I'm glad that you've embraced, um, you know, the social media to to try to get um, stories out there that uh, have impact and meaning. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and, you know, Reggie, you, you've had such a great career and, and been able to do some, some amazing things that we mentioned in the open, including working in the NFL, working in the casino industry, working currently, uh, with your own privately owned business around public relations and marketing, including working with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, all these great things. And then, you know, your, your journey, uh, we all kind of think we know what's coming next, but unfortunately in your case, uh, a, a really, uh, roadblock popped up, uh, 
a terrible incident occurred. And I want to touch on that. I want to touch on your journey and, and why you arrived where you did today as it relates to being a mental health advocate and, and understanding how you got here. And we have to start that, I think, with your eldest son, Avery Burton's journey and talk a little bit about Avery's story so people can understand how you got from being this dynamic professional, a father of three, married father of three, really just doing your best to, to make your way in the world to to having something terrible happening and chasing changing the course of your life. So tell us Avery's story uh, and, and how you got to the point of being a mental health advocate. Well, um, first, before we get into that, uh, you know, catching up with heroes, you know, I you know, for your audience, I don't really consider myself a hero, but I'm happy to, to sit here and be with you and, and share my story, you know, around mental health. And, um, I just consider myself, uh, you know, a, um, a dad who, you know, lost his, his oldest son to a mental health issue that, uh, I didn't recognize and I didn't have the tools to, to manage it. And what I'm trying to do through conversations like this is really, you know, warn other parents, other families about the dangers of mental health and, and depression if, if, if only we know what to look for. So, <clears throat> excuse me, with that, you know, Avery, um, you know, I guess, you know, if you go to my website uh, for the foundation, AveryBurtonFoundation.org, you know, we have his story up and, you know, basically it, it, it sort of reads and, and sounds like what most of your audience uh, can can relate to. You know, a, a son who worked hard in school, three-sport athlete, uh, graduated uh, from Foothill High School here in Henderson with honors, uh, had some offers, uh, some interesting offers to go back east on partial uh, athletic scholarships for, you know, tennis, wrestling, um, and uh, decided he wanted to stay close to home and earn a degree from UNLV, which he did. Um, and he graduated from UNLV in 2017 uh, with honors uh, uh, um, in kinesiological sciences and had plans to go to um, physical therapy school. Mm. So, Right after graduation in 2017, he, you know, had some time, I think, to kind of, you know, take the pedal off. And, and you know, as, as a parent of a college student, you know, it's a bit of a grind and, you know, you're pushing hard and, and you know, you get that moment to catch your breath. And I think, you know, as a parent, you look at that and you go, well, that's a good thing. You know, let him sleep in for a change or let him you know, not have to feel the pressure of uh, school and exams and, 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 and those sorts of things. So in Avery's case, you know, he wanted to be a doctor and, you know, he passed his GRE on his first try and, and was doing all the things that he felt that he wanted to do uh, to advance his career and, and, and put himself in a good position to apply to UNLV's uh, physical therapy school. And, um, you know, we had great support. <clears throat> Dr. Tony Terrell, uh, former UNLV football player who is one of the deans in the program at UNLV. Uh, you know, they all they all recognize his hard work and his diligence. And, you know, the program seemed like an ideal fit. So that's where the story kind of takes a little bit of a turn, Scott. Uh, 
after graduation, there was a little bit of a period where, you know, UNLV does not accept or didn't accept uh, grad school applications until December. Well, he graduated in May. So uh, he had uh, work lined up, part-time job in a physical therapy um, facility. And uh, that experience was not what he had hoped for. And um, at that point in, 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 in the story, we started to recognize now what we know as the beginning stages of, of a major depressive episode. So he began to, to sort of withdraw from friends and the kid that worked out twice a day now no longer wanted to work out. Um, chores, simple chores like doing the laundry would take him forever to move the laundry basket from his room to the laundry facility. Mm. So um, these were all things looking back were signs. Um, but as a parent, you know, what I'm here to share with your audience is that, you know, I had a parental blind spot when it came to mental health. Yeah. And, and Reggie, that that's where I want to f- start out, because I think this is so vital because, you know, uh, with, with your experience and, and how horrific, you know, for those of us who who un- have not lost a child, um, because that's not how it's supposed to be. You're not you're not supposed to outlive your children. Um, you know, it, it, it's 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 difficult for us to understand the pain. Uh, and, and for you now, looking back and all the work you've done and having gone through it, like you said, that 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 statement you make around the parental blind spot. Explain that a little bit and why as parents, as you know, as the, the, the primary people on this planet for most kids who are there to help them, um, you know, overcome their problems and succeed in life, why we miss the signs and how we miss those signs. Yeah. So, um, it's a good question and I can only really speak for myself, right? Cause it, it, it's a, it's a personal lived experience. Sure. But when I when I describe it as a parental blind spot, you know, it's it's that lens through which we view our, our, our kids, right? Mm-hmm. So when I look at Avery's, you know, um, experiences growing up through high school, I mean, you know, he was, you know, even if I'm a little bit biased in saying it, he was a, a, a parent's dream, mm-hmm. you know, good grades, not any issues really outside of not being able to clean his room on a consistent basis. <laughs> I think we can all relate to oh, that, yes. right, as parents. Yes. But, uh, you know, this is a kid who um, was doing what he wanted to do with his life, and he was doing it at a very high level. And uh, you, you walk in the Foothill High School's gym right now, you'll see his name uh, for having set the school record in 4 by 2 relay with – three of his, his teammates. So, you know, he was a kid that, um, was admired and and respected by his peers and, and all of these different things. So you really sort of tend to view your child, you know, through that lens of what he's showing you. Right. And what he's showing is that, um, he seems to be doing what he wants to do and, and, and is doing it well. And I, I share this story kind of unassuming, but, you know, he was at UNLV and he became a certified trainer, you know, uh, working on, on campus uh, as, a, as a lifeguard. And, you know, one day uh, 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 someone comes in, uh, looks, you know, probably like someone important, but Avery didn't know the difference and starts working with the guy. And, 
And uh, a couple of weeks later, he tells me about it and said, yeah, I'm helping this guy rehabilitate or, or, or get in better condition and physical condition. I said, oh, okay, what's his name? He said, I think his last name is Brown. So I just happened to be looking at Avery's uh, Dean's List letter, and it was the dean of the human uh, <laughs> uh, uh, of the uh, school of uh, science, health and science, uh, that he was training, but he had no idea who this guy was. Wow! And I said, well, you may want to suck up to this guy because he's probably <laughs> going to be signing off on your, your grad school admission. And, you know, just that's how unassuming, you know, Avery was. So when I say blind spot for me, it was, you know, looking at something, uh, and viewing it as, as being somewhat normal, and, and being somewhat unaware of when the changes occur. Mm. So when the changes in his behavior occurred, it was just something that uh, we were not prepared for and just could not recognize because it was just something that was not in our uh, family's experience with our other two children who um, were coming up behind Avery. Mm-hmm. So what, what that did, Scott, is it, it manifested itself into... Um, almost like a paralysis uh, of, of analysis situation where your your default as a parent is love. Sure. Whatever whatever it is, whether, whether they fall down on the ground, skin their knee on the playground, or you know have a bad day at school, you know someone says something to them, puts them in a bad mood. The tendency is we fall to our default, which is. Hey, let's try to love this problem away. Let's show them more love and we don't treat it as a health issue. Mm. So what I've tried to do uh, is is approach this a little bit differently uh, as a parent and, and when I talk to other parents. And instead of saying, you know, hey, how's it going? Maybe how are you feeling? Mm. So that you can maybe better understand, you know, if there's a change in mood which is basically a change in behavior, sort of the precipice of the beginning stages of potentially a mental health disorder, then you need to start thinking about, you know, what that could mean, especially if it's over a period of time. What we want to try to do is want to measure these changes in behavior over a period of time. So that's what I've tried to do in in sharing this story with other families. Yeah, don't go anywhere. It's time for a break to hear from our sponsors here on Catching Up With Heroes. When we come back, more with Reggie Burton. Hi, Scott Branson here. I want to tell you about Sam and Ash, the only injury lawyers I trust and the official attorneys of Catching Up With Heroes. When you get in an accident, you want a team that's honest and reliable, a law firm that cares about your case, returns your calls, and gets you the best possible results. I was in an auto accident when I was 20 years old. I didn't get the right attorneys, and I still pay the price today. Ditch the cringy lawyers who try to reel you in with budget prices. Budget lawyers give you budget results. You deserve a lawyer who gives you premium care and a fair settlement. Treat yourself to a top shelf firm. Sam and Ash make your recovery as easy as possible so you can focus on getting better and getting your life back to normal. They care, they help, and you win. While no one guarantees results, they've collected over $400 million in settlements and are just getting started. So if you've been hurt, call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234. That's 702-820-1234. Or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. They're easy to reach, 24 hours a day, easy to talk to, and ready to do what's right for you. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. 
Uh, and and Re- again, we're talking to Reggie Burton um, about uh, mental health issues and his own experience with his son Avery. Uh, and and Reggie, when we when we talk about that, you know, one of the things that I recognize as a father too, and having a son who's now twenty years old and having a daughter who's a little bit older than that, is that those differences, those subtle differences, can get so lost on us because uh, you're around mm-hmm. them, or even if they're away at school, you're around them every day, and 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 they don't ask for help. They don't tell you that they're going to come out and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling right now. I mean, there's some kids who feel comfortable doing that, but I think more and more, the more I read about the issue of mental health, especially with younger people, is they're not always comfortable. They send those signs out that we see and sometimes we don't see, as you mentioned. But when you look at this issue of mental health and the stigma around it, how big is that issue in our country, in our culture, uh, in our schools, in our organizations? Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. So let me just start by saying this uh, for the benefit of your audience. And, um, you know, you've had a chance to to support uh, our work uh, in the Avery Burton Foundation. You've supported my book, This Is Depression. I really appreciate you and your family for, for, for the support that you've provided. For your audience's, you know, benefit, you know, I do want to say that if anyone is struggling with mental health and depression issues, and you need uh, to connect with resources, please visit our website, which is AveryBurtonFoundation.org. Click on the resources tab. I have a bunch of resources listed there. Uh, I believe that depression does not discriminate. Right. So I try to have a wide range of types of, of therapeutics and, and, and resources yeah, and Re- Reggie- that touch people. Reggie, mm-hmm. let me add to that, I, that in, in the text of this podcast are links to the, the website and all of the other things that we've discussed today. So if, you've, if you missed um, the AveryBurtonFoundation.org URL, don't worry about it. It's linked below. Go ahead, Reggie. Yes, that's awesome. I appreciate that, uh, Scott. So having said that, um, I, I think the issue with, with society and where we are is, is huge. Mm-hmm. And... It started before this pandemic, so let's just be clear about that. What we're seeing in our schools here locally, um, this didn't start in 2020. This started several years ago, uh, maybe even uh, years before that, in terms of uh, underlying issues around mental health. Part of the challenge is what you've noted, which is students, our teens, our youth, find it very difficult and in Avery's case, awkward to have these conversations with their parents. That's number one. Number two, there is a stigma around having these conversations. I wish that I had a dollar for every time that someone came to offer condolences about Avery uh, and they shared with me that their own family had had issues with mental health Mm. and depression or suicide or uh, addiction to um, antidepressants or, 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 or a variety of mental health disorders. Instead, what typically happens is that when we see each other, we default to parents speak. Mm -hmm. So, Hey, how's it going? Oh, life is great. But underneath, there are issues, right? There are challenges that we are are facing that we don't talk about. But it's not sexy to talk about mental health and depression. That is the stigma 
around the conversation. And what we try to do through our foundation, through me writing the book, is I believe in transparency. I believe in, you know, to move this conversation forward, we have to be transparent. So the third point is that let's recognize what the issue is. In sharing my story, I'm, I'm not a real big numbers stat guy because I don't really want to try to overwhelm uh, parents and, and family members and loved ones with stats and data. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I didn't get a, 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 a doctoral degree in psychology over the <laughs> over the break over the pandemic. Right. So that I know what my I know what my lane is. But what I what I am is I'm a mental health first aider. And what that means is I've been certified in mental health first aid for youth and for adults. So that allows me to be able to recognize some of the signs and try to do what we're trained to do as mental health first aiders, which is connect people with resources. But in in doing that, we recognize the problem. One out of four college students suffers from depression. So think about that for a minute. You know, we, we both have, you know, we both have kids in college and have graduated from college. We remember what those orientations were like. We remember, you know, what it was like to be on those campuses. Um, to think about the context of the problem, we know about the freshman 15. We know where, you know, kids can get resources if they're unfortunately involved in any sort of, you know, date situation or sexual assault. But what we don't often hear enough in those orientations is where do you go when you have a mental health breakdown or challenge? Where are those resources on campus? Mm. Yes, I know where the gym is. I know where the library is. And I know where to send my check. But where are those resources, you know, for mental health? So that's that. in a nutshell, I think those are the areas that I, I, I like to focus on because I think yeah. those are the ones that impact parents the most. It's time to pause. When we come back, we'll finish our conversation with mental health advocate and my friend, Reggie Burton. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about my good friends at Dr. Jen's Nutrition and about Dr. Jen's Ultimate Protein Bars. These things rock your world. Let me tell you, there's lots of protein bar options out there, but right here, based in Las Vegas, Dr. Jen's Ultimate Protein Bars are the best. Convenient meal replacement or for a snack for the entire family with superfoods like quinoa, kale, and spinach. It has all the nutrition you need. It's high in protein, great fiber to keep you moving, and not only that, all of this stuff tastes great. This is not one of those protein bars that tastes like you're eating an old leather shoe. No, Dr. Jen's has amazing flavors. They use all natural ingredients, gluten-free, even vegan options for you. These things are phenomenal. Make sure you check them out at drjensnutrition.com. You can order them right from there. Use the code SBT10. You get a special discount plus you get free shipping. Also, you can get them locally in Las Vegas at Vegas Discount Nutrition. You can also buy them at local Terrible Herbs convenience stores. Dr. Jen's Ultimate Protein Bars. These things are amazing. My whole family eats them, and I appreciate their support of Catching Up With Heroes. No, you're right. I mean, the data and all that stuff, that, that, only, that only frames the problem, which, which is important in itself, I understand. But to your point, it's, it's got to be about uh, being able to have the conversation. And, and your book, I think, is a great 
entryway for that. And I, I, I invite people to order the book in the link below because uh, it is a great first point of it. I, I liked it so much because it wasn't some psychology book. It wasn't some um, a book full of numbers on why it's a problem. Instead, it was your story. It was it was that first aid, I think, like you said, being being a mental health first aider uh, is a big deal. And I think we need to, we need more people. We need more parents, more professionals be able to do that, because to me, if we look at the problem, Reggie, to overcome the stigma, to have that conversation. So when somebody says to you, hey, how are things going? While there's some politeness there that we need to get over, which is, hey, if you're struggling or if someone on your family is struggling and you and you connect with somebody and you're able to tell them about it, that is the first step to finding the solution, to finding help. That stigma itself, though, where, where does that, in your view, and with all your experience and talking to all folks who've been impacted by mental health like you have, uh, where does that start or where do we need to start so that young people and parents, new parents who have young babies, when they when they start this journey, how do we start to change that stigma and where does it begin? So that's a really good question, Scott. And, and before I answer that directly, let me just say that um, I, I do want to offer some hope here mm-hmm. for people listening and, 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 and understand that uh, we have made some progress. And we are making progress daily. I, I can see it in the work that I'm doing, you know, through my foundation. Uh, we do a scholarship, uh, an annual scholarship in Avery's name. It's called the Avery Burton um, Excellence in Academics and Sports uh, Memorial Scholarship uh, through the Public Education Foundation. And this year, we got 57 applications. Wow. So for con- so for context, last year at the beginning of, of, of this pandemic crisis, uh, we got five applications and I was told that there were some issues with communication between the counselors and the students. And I said, okay, that's, you know, that's fine. Maybe we'll just consider it an anomaly. This year, looking at some of the essays which we require for the scholarship, students are really, really struggling. Mm. So what I've done is we've taken those 57 applications and our reviewers are going to pull some of the more compelling ones and we're going to ask for permission to publish some of those essays so that these students can have their voices heard outside Mm. of the monetary scholarship that we'll be able to, to offer them. Now, in terms of, you know, where we still need to make progress, it, it, it really is, uh, with, with removing, uh, these stigmas and, you know, it's the most recent situation, but I I just call attention to it because it's the one that, you know, people, uh, want to have water cooler talk about, but I look at the situation with this Royal family brouhaha. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not a huge, you know, royal guy, you know, I've never really been, you know, I, I know I recognize either, and, 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 and honor the, the royal family, but it's just not the type of tabloid, you know, stories that I will follow with great interest. However, you know, what concerns me is that in our public discourse, the default has almost gone, you know, almost somewhat purely 
you know, political and somewhat uh, salacious, mm-hmm. which shouldn't be surprising, you know, that, that the story originates in England. But it, it's almost salacious to the point it overlooks the key thing that we should be talking about, which is here's a woman, good, wrong, right, and different, whatever you think about her. She's telling the world that she has struggled with mental health to the point where she has suicidal ideation. Mm-hmm. But that gets pushed to the side in the rush to have these headlines uh, rise above that. You know, is there racism in the in the royal family? Is there uh, an issue with with the family and how they treated, you know, Prince Harry? You know, I, I just I just think that we do ourselves a disservice when we rush to politicize and we rush to make salacious comments above what really should be a headline, that this woman is basically telling the world that, hey, I thought about taking my own life. So um, I, I think the more we can kind of fight through the clutter and really have more um, dynamic and transparent conversations, the better. And I don't think that we need to do that with celebrities. I'm really sort of leery about using celebrities in a lot of the storytelling that I try to do because I feel the power in my story is that it's relatable, right? It's the reason that you and I are having this conversation. Well, and and Reggie, that, that point is so key to me because, you know, if I'm a struggling teenager or I'm a struggling young man or woman who's, who's thinking about, uh, or having mental health issues, thinking about suicide, um, you know, if, if some famous person gets up there and, and they have all sorts of money and, and recognition and they talk about dealing with mental health, okay, I understand from, from a certain perspective that it can impact anybody, but I want to see somebody like me. I want to see regular everyday people because that's who I relate to. That's who I see on an everyday basis. And to me, that's the, it, it, it almost, and again, I know those people mean well, Reggie, so I'm not casting dispersions on them, but in some ways I think it almost hurts the cause but to your point, which is your story with Avery and your family um, is relatable because that is that is us. That is America. That is a regular everyday family. And so, although families can differ on how they look as far as the members of that family, the reality is the closer you can get it to a relatable story to the person, in my view, and you tell me if I'm wrong, uh, the more apt they are to perhaps look and say, hey, you know what? I need to look for help or I need to be able to talk to somebody like that who can understand where I am at. Yeah, sure. Um, look, I- I'm going to admit a guilty pleasure to your audience, which is I have queued up uh, Bridgerton in my Netflix Netflix account. <laughs> but 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 beyond that, I really don't follow the royal monarchy, um, you know, headlines and 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 the stories mm-hmm. with all of that stuff. That 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 to me, that is like the least relatable thing that I can think about in my life right now. Right. But what I what I what I think is important is that the people that we, you know, touch and, and come in contact with, uh, whether it's through our social media interactions or even even if it's in a physically distanced, you know, exchange at the mailbox when you're picking up your mail or whatever the case may be with your neighbors, that is where these meaningful conversations and this transparency that I'm talking about needs to take place. Mm. We need to get to a point, I believe, where we talk about, hey, how is your son, daughter, dealing with 
uh, school on Zoom? Right. What what resources you know are they accessing? Do you mind if I ask? You know, what's in your health plan? What's covered? To your point about you know the limitations on the therapeutic side, because half the battle is getting someone to admit they have a problem mm-hmm. or to have a conversation, and then the remaining parts of that battle is reflected in not only the therapeutics and 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 how much coverage you get in your medical plan, but how culturally competent that medical plan is. I mean, you come from, you know, a very diverse household where there's different cultures in our families Mm -hmm. that make us unique and different. And the therapeutics have to line up with that because if you don't have alignment, let's just say around uh, the model minority myth, Mm -hmm. if your therapist doesn't have any sort of understanding of that and you're an Asian you know, family, you may not find therapy and counseling very satisfying. And I've had, you know, these experiences when I was able to go out and promote my book at book signings, where I have talked to Asian families and I have talked to them uh, about cultural competence in therapeutics to the extent that I understand it. And when I share these things with them, you know, that is the breakthrough. Mm-hmm. It's not about the royal headlines and, and um, you know, the monarchy and, the, and all these other things that we associate with celebrities going through these challenges. It's about the reaction you get when you talk to another parent and you define what culturally competent therapy sounds and looks like and they get it. Yeah. Because that's something they can take back to their family. Well, and, it, and it's something to your point as well is it, it, and I'm sure you see it. And, and when I've talked to people about mental health issues, friends and whatnot, um, I see it as a, there's, there's that, that you see them breathe deeply and there's a sense of relief that they can talk about it. And that goes back to your point about the stigma and not being able to do that and not feeling like as they do are, is that, is that part of the issue? I know, you know, I've, I've done a lot of reading myself, which I know can be dangerous sometimes, but I've done a lot of reading myself about male suicide, right? Because there's, especially at our age, when you approach your 50s, uh, it's, and especially in later, uh, in, in the last few years, there's been more and more men who've struggled with mental health issues at, at midlife and, and have, have taken that way out, unfortunately. And when I study that too, there's that whole dynamic culturally of somehow I can go and tell you that I have a bum knee, I have a bum hip, I have uh, bronchitis, I have all these different healthcare issues and you're willing to talk about those with anybody, including the neighbor at the mailbox. But when it comes to mental health issues, for some reason, uh, societal, we still feel as though that is that is admitting some kind of weakness, uh, where it's just like any other issue you deal with from a health perspective is you have to deal with it. And in doing so, you have to find help for it. Um, that, that part of the stigma piece of it and overcoming the idea that admitting that you have an issue or that you need some help, um, how, how how have you seen that? How have you been battling that? And how have the people that you talk to that have imp- been impacted by your work with the Avery Burton Foundation and your book, how have they so- sort of started to break through those? Yeah, so um, there's a lot to unpack there. That is some very good questions um, that you pose. So what I would say is, I'll start just by saying that um, this conversation is very dynamic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's very nuanced to the point 
where, um, you know, I, I real, I'm really grateful that I went out and got certified in both youth and adult mental health, mm-hmm. because oftentimes what, what I find myself doing is I'm, I, I'm assessing a situation and, and I'll talk to you in a minute about having a, a mental health first aid action plan, um, to, to, to deal with some of these issues. But what I find myself doing is, is assessing based on your experiences and who you are. Mm. And what I learned is that it's not a one size fits all situation, right? Uh, in 2016, my firm was the communications lead. And, and you may know this on the campaign to legalize cannabis and, and, and marijuana in the state of Nevada. Now we won because the polling basically suggested we would win. You know, we won by seventy percent. You've worked, you've worked on political campaigns. You know, you follow the polling and and you stick with your messaging and 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 usually that's the path towards victory. Right now, with 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 the issue though, what was interesting is is looking at some of the data that we found in our research, and you could see very clearly where these conversations could be very, very profound depending on which audience you were talking about. With veterans who were adults, they were committing suicides at something like 22, 23 per day. Mm. So let me repeat that. Veterans committing suicide right around the average is 22 per day. And what we were learning in the process of advocating for, for legalized marijuana and cannabis and, and medical marijuana really is that they were looking for ways to relieve their pain management and help themselves live a better, more healthier life. And they weren't getting that with, you know, some of the more addictive uh, painkillers that they were being prescribed So you could see specifically where mental health could, uh, uh, mental health first aid, if you will, could impact someone in that situation. Now, if you want to talk about other things that we were seeing in data specific to different regions of the country, you could see where, uh, I guess you would call it despair, deaths of despair amongst men, particularly older white men, you could see some correlations in different states, and it, it just looking back, you look at it and you go, "Wow, you know, the economic piece mm. is part of that story." But where was the outreach for the mental health to address their concerns and their issues? Right, right. So when we talk about <clears throat> therapeutics and we talk about being <clears throat> sort of culturally competent, that is what we really want to arrive at. We want to be able to meet people where they are because if you allow them to go through therapy, you know, if they're lucky to get four or five, six visits, but you're not addressing their core underlying issues, they may think that therapy doesn't work. Right. Right. So with my foundation, what I've found is that having a, a very robust group of resources, available has been the best way to go because I know that if someone doesn't find what they're looking for on my website, that they may either continue to withdraw if they're going through a a mental health challenge and not seek any more help outside of that 
and I want to be able to try to touch them where they are, whether it's Hispanic, maybe they need information that's culturally specific in Spanish, um, Asian, black, female, male, et cetera. Um, that, that's what we're seeing in, in, in our foundation work. Yeah. And, and Reggie, the, the point, the, the point about cultural differences too, I think is, is, is really interesting and true because in the work I've done with AARP around caregiving, right, which is, is, is something different, but somewhat related is that the way you do outreach and you talk to the communities are very different culturally. It depends to your point you made about Asians, about African-American families, about Hispanic families, the way Hispanic families deal with aging adults, for example, is is different than the way white families do. And and so you have to figure out ways, and I think making it personal, making it, and to your point about not being one size fits all with mental health is is a huge deal. And I think it's something that, that you have to always be cognizant of because there are people who are willing to talk about it. There are not people who are willing to talk about it. And having to understand the, 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 the cultural differences there too and how you can um, get them to the right resources. I think that is so important on what you guys do with the Avery Burton Foundation. Foundation, and you've touched on it several times, which is getting people to where they can go and making sure that if you, like you said, if you only touch them once in the throes of, of, of a situation they're in where they're, they're struggling, at least you're able to get them uh, to where they can get help. But you talked about um, being this mental health first aider. Talk a little bit about that and how if people are interested, um, if, number one, in finding maybe somebody who can help them as a first aider, a mental health first aider, or for those who might be interested in becoming one themselves. Yeah. So Scott, thank you for the time today. And, and I know we're probably uh, coming up on a, on, on the end of the clock here, but I, you know, I appreciate you taking on this topic and, and um, you know, it is critically important that people uh, understand how serious these issues are and more importantly, what they can do. You know, and I think that is what we've seen with the school district. And in my view, uh, parents not having enough resources, teachers not having enough resources, uh, students not having enough resources uh, to 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 help their situation. So that is what we emphasize: uh, education and resources at the Avery Burton Foundation. A big part of that is this mental health first aid training. So what that is, is it's basically a uh, one hour or excuse me, a one day, eight hour uh, training for anyone that uh, either works in healthcare or is just a loved one or someone um, who wants to be in a position to be able to help uh, people through crisis, through mental health crisis. And in that training, we have a tool that is known as ALGE, A-L-G-E-E. And if you're good with that, I can explain that to your audience. Yes, please. Cool. So, uh, ALGE. So, the A is assess for risk. And what that basically means is if, if you see someone that is... Um, you know, maybe they're you know, threatening to do self-harm or um, um, are exhibiting signs that, that, that they may hurt themselves or someone else, 
then you want to evaluate that risk and, and determine whether or not you need to call someone, um, whether it's professional or uh, 911. Um, the L is listen. But the, the thing about that is not just listen as in, you know, what we think about um, crying on a shoulder mm-hmm. or someone's feeling sad and blue, so we want to give a shoulder to cry on. Not that kind of listening. We want to listen uh, actively because what we see or what we hear, we should believe that. Okay. But we also want to listen non-judgmentally. Mm. So I, I, I want to listen, but I don't want to dismiss your concerns. Oh, that's just Scott being, you know, Scott. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's just Scott being, you know, overreactionary or, or, or something along those lines. That's not the kind of listening we want to do. We want to listen non-judgmentally. You know, so in other words, hey, that person has everything to live for. They can't be suicidal. That's not what we want to do. The G is we want to give assurance. We want to give someone hope. We want to give someone this feeling that everything is going to be okay. Um, The first E is to encourage help and to get resources. So it's much of what we've been talking about this morning with uh, trying to connect people to the resources and the professionals that can help them if they're in, in crisis. The second E is to encourage self-help, okay? And and what this is really about is trying to develop a sense of resilience and and sort of armor yourself for when that crisis and that moment of adversity hits. So I mentioned my scholarship for the Avery Burton Foundation. We asked students to write about situations where they've dealt with adversity, And the reason that's part of the requirement is we want them to think about and express themselves uh, around mental health, adversity, and these different challenges that they have faced and and overcame in in most instances, and they didn't really qualify it or they didn't understand that they were doing that, that Mm -hmm. they were sort of managing themselves through a crisis. So we want them to think about those things, and that's why we require an essay. So in terms of encouraging self-help, that could mean going out for a walk, physically distanced, of course, with all the proper requirements, um, given that we're still in this COVID environment. But we don't want people to feel like they have to be stuck in their room because that's not the place we want our kids or we want our adults to feel like, you know, they're stuck on a Zoom call and they become Zoom zombies. We don't want mm-hmm. that. Go for a walk. Go for a drive. Go meet some people at the park, physically distanced, just to get that that interaction. So that is the, the algae. Um, assess for risk. Listen. Give assurance. Encourage help resources. And encourage self-help. 
Yeah, that's that's a great tool. Uh, and and obviously, like you said, you do a, a day training if you want to become a uh, a mental health first aider, uh, and you find yourself in that position, whether like you said, uh, Reggie, in healthcare or you're just somebody who wants to do it. That's an amazing opportunity to to really learn uh, and grow as in ourselves to understand even with family members and friends and recognizing it and being able to help them through them get them to the help that they need. Now, Reggie, I know that coming up later today, today is Monday, uh, March 15th. Uh, you're part of what's going to be, I think, a, a very important discussion. Of course, here in Las Vegas, we know, uh, we heard, and we, we don't like to just talk about numbers because each individual is a child and each individual had a family, but 18 suicides in the first half of, of or I should say in 2020, uh, past the pandemic, and you're going to be part of the Clark County School District's discussion on youth mental health and suicide prevention. That's at 4 p.m. Pacific. Pacific time. For those of you listening outside of Las Vegas, you can still attend this. Even though it's here in Las Vegas, these are things important no matter where you live. That's up at ccsd.net and you can watch the live form there. Talk a little bit about that, Reggie, and what you guys are going to be doing with this form and and what tools and resources uh, parents and and loved ones will be able to to glean from this. Yes. um, School district approached us. they heard about the work that we were doing and asked if, uh, if we'd be interested in, in, in being a partner on, on this event. And of course we said yes. Um, then I was asked to, to be a part of the speakers, uh, portion of, of, of the two hour event. And of course I said yes. And, you know, this is the role that I've taken and, and again, transparency is, is really important. There's no reason for me to hide anything. Um, in my book, as you know, I talk about self-medication that Avery was doing, mm-hmm. trying to sort of heal himself and with cannabis and, and um, you know, the role that alcohol can play. When I do my talks, I, I warn, you know, people about the, the use of cannabis and substance uh, abuse and these different types of things, because these are real issues. So, in this form, you know, you know, I, I, I on on social media, we have our, our our handle on Instagram and Twitter is Keep It Real mm-hmm. at Keep It Real Mental. And the reason we have it that way is we want to have real conversations. So I intend to share you know, my story. And, you know, again, it, it might be a little uncomfortable for some uh, parents and, and, but it's important uh, that we have these kinds of conversations. And, and this is what I said before, we are making progress. And I think this is a sign of progress that the, that the school district is trying to make in terms of bringing a really good group uh, together. I think it's the Wynn Foundation uh, there's a, a, a group from Columbia University that's involved. So many, many professionals that are involved both here locally and, and regionally um, and nationally. Um, and we're just really excited to be a part of this this conversation. And, um, you know, I think if anyone, again, wants to listen in to the live stream and watch the live stream, ccsd.net or they can contact uh, uh, our organization uh, via email and we'll get them uh, any information we can, info at averyburtonfoundation.org. 
Yeah, and we'll have those all linked in the description for this podcast. No matter where you're listening to us, uh, you'll be able to click through and find out all that information. And and it's so huge. And and you talk about in in closing, Reggie. I just want to say that in in talking about your story, and sometimes it may make people uncomfortable as a parent. What you're talking about, that's that's what we need to do uh, because the, these things might not be comfortable, but they're ne- they're necessary for us to make sure that ourselves, our kids, uh, are getting the help that they need if they deal with mental health issues uh, and if they need help because you know if, if you were a parent and your child had a cold if you're if you're a parent and your child had a toothache you would do everything you can uh, and sometimes the the stigma associated with this I think present prevents really good people uh, who want nothing but good things for their children and for their family to maybe uh, to, to, to pause uh, when you should look for help and I, I credit you for all that you're doing and doing this because you're doing it for the right reasons and I know you talked earlier. And, and of course, the title of this podcast is Catching Up With Heroes. Um, and, and for me, you're a hero to me. And that is uh, what, I, what I've always discovered is that people don't set out to get recognition. They set out to make their lives. They set out to make the lives and their communities better. And that's what you're doing. Um, and through, through your experience and what you have, have, have had to go through as a family uh, is going to help so many people uh, down the line. And it already has done so in such a short period of time. And I want to thank you for that. I know it's hard work and it continues. Um, and you know, I will be there to help you whenever you need me. Uh, and I hope that those folks out there listening to this podcast are able to, to connect with you and see, but if folks want to get involved, whether it's with the Avery Burton foundation or with uh, another foundation or another group or their local school district or a mental health organization, what's the first step for people? Where should they go Reggie in order to get started on this? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I make a, a point to 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 emphasize resources. Mm-hmm. So wherever that may be, if it's your health plan, or if you are on Medicaid, um, if you uh, have an AARP membership, we've talked about the work that you're doing uh, in the community on behalf of AARP, and you know, wherever you have your medical coverage base, that that is always a good place to start. And for people that see um, money as, as a barrier or their finances, they think their finances are not quite where it needs to be to be able to afford to get help. Um, that is a very real barrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I encourage you to go to our website. We list, again, a, a variety of resources, um, uh, culturally competent, some free resources, just information where people can kind of go and and, and, and at least feel uh, that there is hope that they can reach out and, and connect with someone um, regardless of their situation. And listen, man, I want to thank you. Um, uh, appreciate you and your support through the years and, and um, you know, all the hard work that you're doing with your business and your family uh, to making sure that they stay safe and healthy. Um, much respect and, and salute to you for, for, for this podcast that you're doing to, to shine a light, to shine a light on some issues that, you know, quite frankly, aren't, aren't uh, sexy, you know, yeah. to talk about. But I think we need to rise above that. And, and you're a big, uh, a big piece of that in terms of being able to get this information out there. So I'm grateful to you. And, and um, you know, again, much respect, Scott. I, you know, I just can't say it enough. And, you know, hopefully if, if, if people are listening to this and, you know, they are having some issues, 
have the courage to, to reach out. You know, there's no shame. You know, there's no shame in this game. And, you know, uh, transparency is key. Uh, you know, obviously I wish, you know, uh, Avery were here and, you know, and, and the things that happened uh, had not happened to our family. But uh, I also know he's very proud. I know Avery's very proud of the work that we're doing in his name and the legacy that we're leaving for him. So, um, you know, that allows me to press forward. So much respect to you, my friend. Well, and, and Reggie, that, that last point you made about, uh, Avery looking down, being proud uh, of what you're doing and what's being done in his name, uh, is, is a huge deal. And I think that, um, that is something that, that will go on and on and his memory, uh, is being used for a positive and, and for people to understand these issues and how we can do better as a community, better as parents, better as people, uh, to make sure that we address it because it is something uh, that is serious. It is something that deserves our time and attention, and it should not be done behind closed doors. It should not be done um, under the, the guise of shame. It should be out in the open. People need to admit to this. They need to be helped to understand that they can find help and that there's nothing wrong with seeking help. And I would also say that a good place to start, especially if you want to know more about Reggie's uh, story, is his book, This Is Depression, which you can get on Amazon. But I also would ask everyone out there to do me a favor, and that is go to their local library and request that this book be ordered. Uh, because if for those, to your point, Reggie, about people sometimes with income being an issue to access help, uh, even when it comes to books and things like this. Your book is a fantastic, uh, I think, view into the impact of mental health on on individuals and families, and it is a really great read. It's not some big 600-page volume on psychology. It is a real experience from a real man, a real father, uh, who experienced real loss and has turned that around into something amazing and positive. So make sure you do that. This is depression. You can buy it on Amazon, of course, Correct, Reggie? You can still buy it there on the website? Absolutely. Or you can go into Barnes & Noble here in, in Henderson or in Las Vegas and request it. Um, and I would like to add, and thank you so much for the plug, uh, Scott, uh, proceeds go to our scholarship. And, right. you know, this year, you know, I mentioned earlier in our conversation, we have 57 applications. We were only going to do uh, because of we weren't able to fundraise, we were only able to do two $1,000 scholarships this year. And I thank the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights, who are one of my clients, and, and the Vegas Golden Knights Foundation has just been a, a very generous supporter. But when, you know, word got out about what we were doing and, you know, some anonymous donors, I'll just say, stepped up. And my firm, RB Group Public Relations, uh, decided to make a match on some donations we're up to $5,000 now. So we were able to increase the award from two scholarships to five scholarships. That's fantastic. And we're also going to do, again, it's very important to me to, to help these kids get their stories told. We're also going to do a a coffee table book. So that's book number two for me. Nice. Um, We're in the process of getting that lined up and, and getting permission to publish these essays. So, very excited about that. Very excited to to engage families, to engage students, and to to continue this conversation. 
That's it. Uh, I, I'll tell you what, it, that's great, great news uh, that people stepped up, including yourself and, and getting these kids uh, the opportunities that you're doing through uh, Avery's name and through the cool. Avery Burton Foundation is huge. Make sure you go to AveryBurtonFoundation.org where you can check out all of what we've talked about today, including if you'd like to contribute, you can do that. You can do that by buying the book. You can do that directly as well. Reggie Burton, again, my friend, thank you so much for everything you're doing, and I know you'll continue to do. We appreciate you spending time with us today. Let me leave you with with this quote, and I know we talked a little bit about the Royals, um, but this is a quote from Prince Harry talking about the loss of his mom, and it really struck a chord with me, and I hope so with your listeners who have dealt with either COVID losses or or just loss in general. And then I'm paraphrasing here, um, you know, grief does not define who we are. But if we let it, it can reveal who we are. And I just, you know, leave that uh, bit of hope with with your audience and that we'll all get through this together and, and we'll continue this conversation. Well said, Reggie. I appreciate that. Reggie Burton, the Avery Burton Foundation dot org. You can check him out there as well as um, you can follow them on Instagram, Twitter at Keep It Real Mental. We'll link all of those connections to the Avery Burton Foundation and to Reggie Burton below in the description. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Catching Up With Heroes as we begin season number two. want to thank you for stopping by. Please, please do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, And don't forget, drop us a nice rating if you like the content and you like what we're doing here. We would really appreciate that. As well as make sure you click on the links below where you can check out the Every Burton Foundation and how to get involved and more links too on getting help if you have any mental health issues that you're struggling with or someone that you know is struggling with. So very important. So please do that below. Also, check out our website, catchingupwithheroes.com, where we update the podcast as well as other information. We certainly appreciate you guys being with us. Until next time, everybody, remember there's heroes all around. Make sure to thank them and make sure you do your part to make the world a better place. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Catching Up With Heroes. Until next time, heroes are all around us. Be sure to stop and appreciate them. 